There we go. Good morning, church. We're so glad you guys are here today. Uh, I'm excited about what's going to happen. We've got a great worship service planned, uh, great music. Kevin's going to preach. I want to remind you guys always to be uh, watching for your e-news. It's going to come out every Tuesday morning. If you don't get the digital e-news and you would like to, make sure that before you leave today uh, that one of the staff people have your email address. Be sure and check out some things that are coming up in October in there. Uh, there's man camp coming up uh, at the toward the end of October. There's an everyday hero celebration that we're moving from the parking lot here over to the big uh, athletic field that we need people to help uh, with all the stuff for that. And you, there's information about that either on the sign-up table or out in the lobby about those things. Uh, one, of the, one of the things that we're going to try to begin helping our community do starting the end of this month, okay, so we need to start signing now, is we're, we're working on this project called Unceasing Prayer which is all the churches in this region coming together and taking a day of the month. Our day is the fourth Monday every month. And the goal is to have people praying all day uh, from different churches each day of the month. So like I said, our day uh, is the fourth Monday uh, of every month starting this month. There are some sign-up sheets over on that table right underneath the cross. And what we're ideally asking people to do is to sign up for a 30-minute slot. Now, obviously, there are some times that are more desirable than others during a 24-hour day. But if you're one of those people that can get up or stay up in the middle of the night, and why don't you take one of those slots? But here's the deal. Just take a time. Just take a time. If we end up not being able to get 4 to 4.30 in the morning covered, we'll work on that. But what if we've got 10 or 12 people praying at 8 o'clock in the morning and, and hundreds of people praying all through the day? So here's what I just want to encourage you to do. when you leave, Before you leave today, just stop over there at that table. All we need is your name, an email, a text, a phone number so we can text you information about what to be praying for, and different churches are praying. It's going to be really cool. We get enough. We get all the days covered. Just think about that. 30, 31 churches in our region praying for the same stuff day after day after day after day. I think that's when God is going to hear from his people and heal our land. Today you're going to hear an incredible story of change and of a young man who was forced to come to a final answer. What's the final answer? Jesus' final answer in this is he came to seek and to save the lost. That's the ultimate change. That's the ultimate change that can happen in our life. Let's worship a God of change today. Would you guys stand with me and let's worship this morning. Darkness fades into new beginnings as we lift our eyes to a hope beyond. And all creation waits with an expectation to declare the reign of the Lord our God. We will not be Silence breaks 
a seat. You know, I love that every week we get to celebrate the greatest thing that ever happened. But it's amazing to me that the very first time that people celebrated communion, it was actually before the greatest thing ever happened. It, it, it strikes me that if if Jesus had already been murdered, buried, and risen, when he brought them together to say, hey, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me, there would have been, yeah, that, but it was before it ever happened. And, and he had his closest friends there with him. And he tried to explain a little bit of what was about to happen. And whenever you break this bread, remember my body. Okay, yeah. All right, Jesus. Whenever you drink this cup, remember my blood shed for you. Okay. But but I, I wonder how much confusion there was in their mind because they hadn't seen the greatest thing yet. But a couple days or just 24 hours later when they started seeing what was done to his body and made a little bit more sense. But not like it did on Sunday when the greatest thing in history became apparent to them and changed them. Here's the beauty for us. We're living over 2,000 years past that. We've got the history. We know the end of the story. We know how all this works out. And so when we come together for this special time every week, we can truly remember the greatest thing that ever happened when Jesus gave himself to give us victory over death to allow us to spend eternity with him and the Father in heaven. It's the greatest thing. So this morning, I'm going to pray, and then there are stations all around the room. If you haven't already uh, gotten your, your communion, you can just go, and there's two cups stacked on top of each other. The bottom one has a little piece of bread to help you remember his body. And the top one has some juice to help you remember his blood. And as you go to remember that and to pick that up, you can also share in his ministry by contributing in the offering boxes. If you're at home watching, I hope you've gotten uh, just some sort of cracker or piece of bread that you can take as communion to remember his body. Some sort of juice or liquid that you can take to remember his blood so that we can all worship the greatest one and the greatest thing of all time. Let's pray together. Uh, Father, I just pray that you'll bless this time of communion. And Father, that you'll allow us to use it as a reminder that you came from heaven and then you conquered the great, that you the grave, and that you have done great things over and over again. But this is the greatest thing. The reminder of your victory and our ability to share in that victory. Help this time to be a special time as we begin our week, as we begin our worship today. Help this to be a time where we go back 
not to a cross, but to an empty grave. In Jesus' name, amen. You are here, man. 
excited to be up here for a little Zacchaeus sermon. Everybody remember Zacchaeus from one particular VBS or childhood story? Hey, um, Ethan, don't go anywhere. Go ahead and put your guitar back on. Yeah, you need the guitar. You remember Zacchaeus? I mean, it's a kid's story, right? I mean, every book I looked at this week to study for the sermon had pictures with it. It's a kid's book. And everybody kind of takes this message of Zacchaeus and uses it in a Sunday school class with the flannel graph and, and, or a cartoon. And, and they've got Zacchaeus, the wee little man. And everybody know the song? And maybe you don't. Maybe you're not from church. You haven't grown up with this. You get to learn a new worship song today. And I use the term worship loosely here, but uh, it's kind of actually a mean song. But what, do you know? I know the first part. Okay, well, I, I've got the lyrics you got the here. Part? I, I'm going to throw it to you on the second part. Is that okay? I mean, I got it all. Oh, I know you. So, do. I'm pretty good at do. this. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure you're Stacey's ready. Not the one with all the talent, right? Hey, it doesn't have to be perfect, but it needs to be really good. Okay, oh, Ethan. Okay. All right, everybody, stand up. Come on. Because I think there's. Uh, are there motions to this, Marcy? You don't remember them. Of course you don't. Okay. Very convenient. Here we go. Convenient. So uh, start with that, um, like a C flat. All right. So B? Okay. Uh, whatever it really starts out would probably be better because uh, I got to get, get the tone right. You guys, you guys know it, so sing it with me. Zacchaeus was a wee little man and Stop. What are you doing? I'm following. 
on you. You're, okay. You're driving don't, the string. Don't pick the strings based on my voice. Pick it based on the song. Here we go. Okay. Let's try this again. Here we go. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. You got some motions. He climbed up on a sycamore tree to see the Savior for to see. Keep going. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down. I'm going to your house today for I'm going to your house today. You know, as I sing this, it doesn't, you guys can be seated. It doesn't seem really correct for 2020, does it? It's not 2020 friendly, Kevin. It's not 2020 friendly. Do you see that? Some of the things that are said about Zacchaeus. This might be better. Sing with me. Uh, we're going to replace wee little man with vertically challenged person. Okay. And instead of up in the tree, let's say safe space. Okay. So here we go. Zacchaeus was a vertically challenged person and a vertically challenged person was he. He climbed up in a sycamore safe space, the savior before to see. And as the Savior, okay, you get the idea, right? I think we're done with that. Hey, give Ethan a big round of applause for his ability to wing. We'll probably talk about this in staff meeting tomorrow. It's fine. It's fine. So, but seriously, I, I think a lot of times we read that story or even hear somebody's going to preach on that story and we automatically put it over into a box of, hey, that's a great kid's story. But I think this morning as we sat, see Zacchaeus looking for what the final answer to life is, we're going to find out that this story means more to us as adults than we ever could have imagined. That he's got a message for you and I through this man Zacchaeus. So uh, Zacchaeus had great wealth and power. Uh, it just didn't simply fill that part of his soul that he wanted to fill. He longed for something greater, something more significant. Um, wealth and power had left him wanting. You ever feel that way? About something like it? you have this idea in your mind that as soon as I get blank... It's going to make me feel good again. Like as soon as I get that promotion, I'll feel satisfied and happy. As soon as I get that bonus, I'll be happy. As soon as I get that debt paid off, I'll, I'll feel good again. As soon as that relationship works out, then I'll, then I'll, be, I'll be happy again. I'll feel satisfied. That that hole in my heart will be filled. Maybe it's for you a 12-point buck instead of a 10. But when we get that thing, and I've done this, I've chased after things. And when I get them, it doesn't leave me satisfied. It leaves me feeling empty again or more empty, right? It doesn't work. And Zacchaeus found this out. Zacchaeus did the same thing. And on this day that we're going to talk about in Luke chapter 19, we're going to see that Zacchaeus found the final answer, and it just took a little bit extra effort for an average-heighted person, or below average height. So let's dig into the scripture. I've got them up here if you don't have a Bible, but otherwise it's Luke 19, 1 through 10. And let's pray together, and we'll dig into his word. 
Father God, thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for the story of Zacchaeus. May we come to realize that the impact of it is greater than we could imagine. Uh, that to see his effort and his desire for Jesus and Jesus' response to Zacchaeus might be right what we need right now. God, we thank you and we love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, there may be people online this morning. We're live streaming. Welcome. We're glad you're here online. Say a howdy on the Facebook page or whatever your streaming uh, thing is. And it could be that copyright has knocked that off streaming because of my singing being so close to the original song. That is that possible, Dave? Did Dave, Dave left after I sang. Okay. Um, be a real good meeting tomorrow. Anyway, let's dig in here. Uh, uh, Luke chapter 19. 1 through 10. And it says this, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Now, the fact that Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, that's something we can, we're going to kind of do an exegetical study of the scripture today. He's passing through. Does anybody know where he was headed? To Jerusalem. Where was, why was he headed to Jerusalem? to die on a cross. He was less than a week out from being tried and crucified and he's heading through Jericho. And I believe this is the divine engagement and appointment that he has to meet with Zacchaeus. So he's heading through, he's passing through Jericho. And there's this man that is mentioned here in verse two, Zacchaeus, who was a chief Collector. Now, this isn't the same as just being a tax collector like Matthew. This is a chief tax collector in a very wealthy town. A town that's got some history. A town that's full of trade routes. A town that's got some serious money. And he's not just a tax collector. He's the chief tax collector. So Zacchaeus is loaded. Like all the other tax collectors have to give him a cut of what they got. And, and tax collectors weren't popular because if they were Jewish and the Roman captivity hired them to steal money and take money, tax the people, and, take, and then they could take an additional amount of money, like extortion, right? And they're going to take an additional amount and there's nothing the people can do about it because he's got Roman guard with him and he can just beat it out of you. And that's what the tax collectors did back then. They became very wealthy when somebody owed 10 coin to Rome. They charged them 20 and kept 10 from, for themselves. And there was no law that stopped them from doing this. And he was considered the worst of the worst. In fact, the Old Testament uh, piles tax collectors in with prostitutes. It's the idea that they're just a sinful bunch, evil. They turned their back on, on Israel. They're, they're, they're despicable. So this... Zacchaeus, his obstacle, I, I got a little, it's not just Zacchaeus's height that is an obstacle between him and Jesus. It is the wall of sin, the lust for power and wealth, greed, and the abuse of his position that potentially block Zacchaeus from salvation. In other words, because he was so hated and so small, if he was trying to jostle his way through a crowd, he might have took a couple elbows to the nose. This might be your opportunity. Oh, I didn't even see you, Zacchaeus. You know, uh, right in the face. Uh, he, he was not going to be allowed to see Jesus. And because of his sin 
and the fact that everybody rejected him, especially the religious leaders. He was not really feeling like he was going to find anything of meaning in his life because of all that mess, all that big, huge pile of sin, the, the corruption, the lies, the extortion, the greed was right there in front of him. And he had a lot to keep him from being able to meet Jesus. And we can relate to that. We can relate to Zacchaeus because many of us have things that we feel like are in our past or even our present that separate us from God. And you may have showed up at church just to alleviate some of that wall, maybe to take a few uh, bricks down off that obstacle that separates you from Jesus. But Jesus is passing through Jericho. And we know the story of Jericho in the Old Testament. If you don't, there was a, a leader of the Israelites called Joshua. And he took the army that was with him and the people that were with him. And they took tambourines and trumpets, army, and marched around Jericho, the walls of Jericho. If you don't remember this, this was in VBS, right? And they marched around and they marched around for seven days. And on that final seventh day, they blew the trumpets as loud as they could. And what happened to the walls? They came crashing down. They crumbled to the ground. I don't know how it happened. It was probably God's power. Or maybe it was some kind of seismic thing that God intended to happen. But the walls of Jericho were knocked down. But Jesus passing through Jericho, literally on his way to the cross, makes the crumbling of the mighty walls of Jericho seem small compared to his grace. Because Jesus is going to crush the very barriers of sin that Zacchaeus has thought all along would keep him from knowing God. So Jesus is in town. Verse 3. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. Now, I don't know what Zacchaeus knew. It doesn't tell us that in the scripture. We can only speculate on that. I don't know why he wanted to see Jesus. Had he heard the rumors of Jesus, the Messiah? Had he heard about the miracles that Jesus had done in certain towns and cities? Did he hear about his authority when he preached and taught at the synagogue? Had he hoped for a glimpse of the possible salvation of Israel? I don't, I don't know. Or did he know somewhere in the deepest parts of himself that Jesus was the answer to his missing piece? Did he know that the blank that he had been trying to fill in with power and money, that it, the answer to that, that was going to fill it for real, was coming to town? But I think it's funny. I mean, if you look at that scripture, so he ran ahead. Now, this is the first thing. You notice there was no Nike back then or Gatorade. This is a grown man with great affluence, and he's running. And that's a weird thing. Not only is he running, but he's a short man running. So this is, uh, is going to be like a bad run, like an ugly run. It's not going to be like Bradley. Bradley's still in here. It's not going to be like you, like a gazelle in the woods of Africa or plains, I guess. It's not going to be like that. It's going to be more like a, a, a like a dwarf wildebeest, right? Like me, running, like right before breakfast ends at Chick-fil-A, trying to get in there to get that biscuit. It's going to be like that. And he's running, which is just kind of hilarious. And grown men don't run back in that day, especially ones with money. 
And grown men don't climb trees. And I thought about that, and I did this, and I was going to do some research on it. Are there any grown men of great affluence that ever climbed a tree? Well, I've got one for you. Ta-da. What happened? Ta-da. Ta-da. Oh, there we go. The wealth, one of the wealthiest men in the world up in the trees. Um, it's a promotional shot, but he's just saying how big CDs hold a lot of paperwork. And so he's up there. He's, I mean, how many trees did he kill to do that? That's the question. Anyway, uh, so Bill Gates did a tree. And I, when I think of Zacchaeus, I actually think of an actor that I think would play a, a good Zacchaeus in a movie. Um, check out this guy. <laughs> right? I mean, you think of Zacchaeus, don't you think a little bit Danny DeVito? Now he's, he's hugging a tree. He's not climbing the tree. I'm not sure he climbed that, but I did find a picture of him in a tree. Um, it's a Christmas ornament. So if you're looking for a Christmas idea for somebody, I do not. Wait, let me be clear. I don't want a Danny DeVito ornament from a tree, okay? Don't, don't get Anyway, um, this last one is probably the most powerful of tree climbers, really, because he took the ring to Mordor. And uh, so, you know, that is a grown man climbing a tree. Uh, grown men don't climb trees. Now, don't confuse this with a deer stand. That's a completely different thing, right, men? I mean, there's not a, you know, but grown men don't, you know, when you're a kid, you climb trees. Michael, you climb trees, don't you? Uh, yeah, yeah, you do. But most grown men don't climb trees. This guy climbs a tree because he's small and he can't see Jesus. And so like a kid, he's just getting up there and he wants to make sure he has a good spot. I must see Jesus, that's what he wants to do. I must see him. And people were probably laughing at him. Think about this for a second also. They didn't have pants that day, okay? He didn't have on a pair of casual cargos with a, you know, double taper, whatever, stitch to not rip. He had on basically a dress. So he's in a dress climbing a tree. You get where I'm going there? All right, and he's climbing, and I bet there are people that are making fun of him. They're jeering, they're, they're, they're scorning this rotten, sinful crook, and they're thinking, has he lost it? What is Zacchaeus doing? He's the richest man in our town. He's climbing a tree. Verse 5, and this is when the story really starts to turn amazing. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus. Come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Did you catch that? Jesus knew his name. I mean, he says it. Zacchaeus. And we don't know how. Could have been the Holy Spirit told Jesus that had happened before. Right? Could have, could have been a, his reputation that Zacchaeus was well-known in the community. Maybe he had just heard uh, there's this rich short guy he's probably going to be looking for. If you see a short guy uh, and, you know, you have to pass a tree. I, I don't think that was it because I think this was all set up by God as a divine appointment. Could have been from his disciples who had been sent out in twos earlier in Luke, right? That they had gone to different towns. Maybe they had gone to Jericho and said, hey, you need to meet this guy Zacchaeus. He's got a wall of sin and he needs some help. He's a little short guy. You'll know him when you see him. Could have been that. I don't know. I don't think it matters. Because scripture in Luke 12, 7 says that he knows your name and he knows the hairs that are numbered on your head. He knows your name and he knows how many. You don't know that. Now, Dave, just for record, he knows your name and that's it. Um, 
I know how many hairs are on your head. So um, he knows the number of hairs on your head, and he knows your name. And he looks at him, and he says, I must stay. I must stay. Not, I think I'll stay, or would it be okay if I stayed? I must stay. Jesus had a plan, a divine appointment. Zacchaeus was on his calendar that day, on his way to the cross, getting ready to be given up, to be tortured and die on a cross for our sin. Jesus looks at Zacchaeus, the worst of sinners, and says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to stay with you today. I must stay with you today. Look at verse 7. It says, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. I love that the word mutter is used in the Bible. The people weren't muttering about Zacchaeus. I mean, sure, they called him a sinner, but that was nothing new. They were muttering about who? Jesus. About to go see a sinner, eat with sinners, forgive sinners, change sinners' lives. How dare he? Muttering under your breath. Something you want to direct at somebody, but you don't have the courage to say to their face, right? I do it all the time. I'm in the bank. you got to be kidding me, I mutter, right? I'm in the line at McDonald's. All I want is a Diet Coke, by the way, just a Diet Coke. And I'm in a line with like four cars in front of me, and there's a, there's a minivan, a mom with like eight kids from the soccer team, and she orders like $67 worth of food, and, I, and all I want is a Diet Coke. you got to be kidding me. Oh, we mutter about all kinds of things. The truth is, we all mutter. Think about it. Somewhere along the lines, you said something under your breath. That's muttering, right? We mutter about neighbors. We mutter about lines. We mutter about the worship. We mutter about preachers muttering about money. We mutter, 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 right? We all do it and say something about something under our breath. That's muttering. We, we mutter, mutter, mutter. Our teenagers, anybody have a teenager? They're, they're like professionals and muttering, but here's the thing. They learned it from us. And these people in this day, they were muttering because Jesus had gone to eat and spend time and fellowship with a sinner. Wasn't he flipping everything upside down in this day and age? Wasn't he telling the religious leaders, I didn't come for the healthy, I came for the sick? And Zacchaeus is one of the sick, and this wall that separates Zacchaeus from God, Jesus is going to tear that down like it's nothing? Yeah, Jesus eats with sinners. Verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to his Lord, after being called the sinner, Look, Lord, and I love that. Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. Zacchaeus says, Lord, he knows in his heart that Jesus is the one that everyone says that he is. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior. And he says to him, Lord, if I've ever cheated anyone, I'm going to give them four times. Now, the Old Testament, when you cheated somebody, the law was basically if you cheated somebody out of $100, you would have to give them 20% more. So you would give them 120 Zacchaeus is saying, if I cheated somebody out of $100, I'm going to give him $400. 
He's making huge restitution. And he also says, I'm going to give up half of my possessions to the poor. Now, this is a startling contrast to the rich young ruler, isn't it? It says that when the rich young ruler was told to give everything up, that he went away sadly because he couldn't give up the things of this world. He couldn't give up his wealth. Can you imagine even a wealthy guy like this having to give up half of his possessions? He's got two chariots, the really nice one crusted with gold, and the work one that he uses on a daily basis. He's got to give one of those up. He's got three or four houses around whatever regions he has, and he's got to give a couple of those up. Everything he has, now he has a lot, 50% of it he's giving to the poor. They had to have gotten pumped about that, right? And they had to be, that had to be exciting, his repentant heart. And then he says, if anybody comes up to me and says, you cheated me out of like $20 more than I should have paid, here, here's 100 back. Here's $80. I'm sorry. Half of my possessions to the poor. In other words, Zacchaeus said, I would, I would give anything. And I think in this time that he's dining with the savior of the world and this impression he's got he is willing to lose everything to follow jesus and jesus says in verse 9 and 10 he said to him today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of abraham for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost jesus makes a proclamation in this moment Salvation has come to this house today. The response of Zacchaeus in comparison to the rich young ruler is drastic, right? The rich young ruler walked away sad. Zacchaeus said, hey, I'll pony up all my wealth to fix things. I want to restore things. I want to be right before you. But what we got to notice before any of that happened is that Jesus went to dine with sinners. He went to spend time with those who didn't feel like they deserved to be in his presence. Jesus wants people to understand the wall is not a barrier between you and Jesus. The wall is the exact thing that Jesus is going to destroy when he goes to the cross. That thing that you think separates you from God, Jesus takes care of that. I mean, for some of you, remember the moment you found Jesus? It may have been in your childhood, but you still remember that day. Remember that moment. For some of you, it's been here recently. You found Jesus, and you sensed his grace and his mercy. And in your head, you run through those 10, 12, top 10 sins of your life. And you're just thinking, thank you, Jesus, for taking care of this mess, this rubble, this heap, this wall that I needed you to take care of because I can't do it myself. But remember that moment you found the final answer. You found Jesus. I know in Luke, we have read about the woman at the funeral that Jesus was walking along. And a woman uh, was with her son uh, escorting him as he was being carried in a casket. Her son, her, her only son has died and he's being carried in a funeral. And Jesus comes up and it says that he felt compassion on her. And he went over to the casket and he basically, hey, get up. I think that's a paraphrase by me, but right? He he raises her son back to life. I mean, she remembers the moment she met Jesus. What about the sinful woman, the woman that everybody despised like a tax collector? She was probably a prostitute. And she comes in while Jesus is dining at a Pharisee's house and washes the feet of Jesus with her hair and her tears because she knows 
she's not living right. Jesus forgave her sins. He remembered. Do you remember? And maybe it hasn't happened to you yet. Maybe you're listening online and for the first time you're hearing that Jesus can take care of, can forgive, can destroy the wall that separates you between you and God. Jesus does that. And he truly is the final answer. It's pretty amazing when Zacchaeus found out the answer, he gave up his wealth and he gave his life to Christ. And if you read a little deeper, most of the history books would tell us that he gave up eventually being a tax collector and he became a part of the leadership of the early church. Jesus would climb a tree to see Jesus. I'm sorry, Zacchaeus would climb a tree to see Jesus and Jesus would die on a tree to save Zacchaeus and you. So I think as we look at this story, we understand that it's a lot more serious and a lot more powerful than just something on a flannel graph or a cartoon. Because I think it poses the question even to those of us who have been sitting in these seats for a long time, but maybe haven't necessarily been pursuing Jesus. You show up on Sunday, and that's about it. You're not in love with Jesus. And when you think of heaven, you don't even think about the idea of getting to meet Jesus or hug Jesus. I think it tells us um, he's worth climbing a tree for. He's worth chasing after. He's worth responding to and giving up whatever we've been trying to get if it's gotten in the way of our worship to him. And that's the question that I want to ask you guys this morning as we close out. Do you want to see Jesus? Maybe you've been putting all your eggs and all your hope in extra toilet paper. Or an election. Maybe you've been putting all your trust in your finances or a job or the money you got saved up in a mattress in your house. Or you put it in a relationship. And I've seen people do that and they lose the money, they get fired from the job, and the girlfriend dumps them, and then they're just a mess. Maybe it's time you give up chasing all those things and you just look to Jesus. Do you want to see Jesus? And what do you need to give up in order to do that? What's the thing that's stopping you, that's the wall that you've built up? What do you need to give up? Is it the worldly treasure? Is it a relationship? Is it a trust in a politician? Is it whatever it is, it's worth giving up. What do you need to give up so that you can see Jesus? Do you need to give up your pride and climb a tree to see Jesus? Do you need to give up uh, something that is just blocking you, your, 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 uh, your intelligence? Do you think you're too smart for Jesus? You're, whatever it is, uh, what do you need to give up? Because Jesus can do the thing that you cannot do. He can take down the wall between you and God. He did it on the cross. Remember when he died on the cross, what happened to the veil that separated the people from the Holy of Holies? It ripped from top to bottom. That thing was four inches thick. That was Jesus. Allowing you and I, in spite of our sin, 
to be forgiven and be with God. What do you need to give up? You see, Jesus is calling your name. He knows you. He loves you. And don't walk away without hearing this. He likes you. He's the final answer. And he's calling your name. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you so much for this story. This event in history that shapes so much of what it means to give up everything to follow you. All the distractions, all the false hopes, all the things that we put out there that we think will be the answer are simply not the answer. But Jesus, you are the final answer. You are the most important thing. You are worthy of sacrificing everything around us that gets in the way of a relationship with you. So God, I hope we see that. I hope we understand how much you love us and how much you want to be with us and how you truly are the only one that can fill that hole in our heart. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you've allowed a lot of things to block you from seeing Jesus or pursuing Jesus and you just haven't done anything in a long time. Uh, We invite you to come forward. I invite you to come forward and and either give your life to Christ and get baptized or to, uh, if you need prayer or you just need to make some decisions to redirect the path you're on right now, we invite you to come forward and I'll be up here and there's some other uh, elders and pastors over here be up here and uh, we'd love to invite you to just come forward this morning and share with us what's on your heart. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Cause even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop.
so thankful that you guys decided to join us this, this week. And uh, so I just want to kind of remind you a couple of things. If you're new this morning, if it's first time here or second time, but you haven't visited the I'm New wall, you just go straight out these doors in the back. There's a big orange wall. It says I'm New. That's what you're looking for. Go check out the I'm New wall. We're glad you joined us this morning. Uh, also, the next step room is right over here. If you're looking to get into a life group or maybe help start up a micro group, which is just a couple people getting together, which might be safer for you, um, go to the next step room right over here behind this wall over here. Uh, and then last but not least, the offering boxes, these black boxes that are parked everywhere and on your way outside the door. And sometimes we have people carry them to your car if we didn't know. Um, the offering boxes are here for you to continue to worship God and give up those very things that sometimes can be uh, the thing that keeps us from Jesus. So uh, make sure you worship God in that way and, and give offering. Uh, again, we're so glad you were here, and we hope you have a blessed day. Uh, it, it might be a day for chili and and uh, and staying indoors together. And so I uh, hope, hope you enjoy it. Uh, but thanks again for coming. God bless you guys.